Jesus, I pray your strength in the body tonight. I pray your strength be loosed in the body of Christ. And your rest, Lord Jesus, we receive of your strength. We receive of your rest, O oh God. We receive of your virtue, Jesus. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way, O oh God. Have your way, O God. Every way, Jesus, and every sin we cast on you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Command a blessing, I pray, where there is unity. Command a blessing, Father, in the unity of the body of Christ. There be a blessing, O oh God, that is commanded of you in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. God, we receive of you. We pray rivers of living water would flow out of us and into us tonight. It would flow out of us as your body, Jesus, as your conduits, as your vessels. Let us be available for you to flow through, oh God. Jesus, that we would be open tonight and not bottling up the spirit. Jesus, we thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. Have your way, I pray. Have your way, I pray. Have your way. We cast down every thought of this day. We cast down every care, Jesus, that would come against our mind. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your refreshing, O oh God. We thank you for the refreshing of your spirit, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we want to be still and know that you are God. We want to know that you are God. We want to know that you are God. Show yourself to us, I pray. Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name Jesus name Jesus name
Praise God. You can be seated if you'd like to. It's wonderful to be together with you in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm thankful for his presence that is here. I'm thankful that you are here. Praise God. For those joining us online, God bless you. Amen. It's wonderful to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Um, the uh, many of you are aware, uh, Bishop has been fighting sickness. The um, the scripture helps us to understand that there are. There is sickness, there is disease, there is infirmity. Uh, sometimes those words, depending on which is used in Scripture, are interchangeable. Um, you can look at some of the places where the word infirmities is used, and in the Greek, it, the definition in the Greek is sickness and disease. And so you can look in some places where disease is used and um, it comes from a root that means something completely different um, and so it's it's quite interesting when you look at that and so the scripture of course tells us that in Isaiah when he prophesied of Christ he prophesied that he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. And so we understand in the natural that there can be sickness. Sickness will be something that comes, and maybe you drink a lot of fluids and rest and and try to eat the right stuff, and sickness goes, and you get better. Um, that's because of the great grace of God and the way he designed you and I and our bodies to function and fight off sickness. There is disease, disease that can come, and, and a disease can be something that may be treatable, um, may only be manageable, uh, can be cured, or maybe it can't be cured. Some disease can come, and it can be uh, a disease that is not necessarily considered terminal, and I may not be getting these um, these words right in terms of the like the medical right way of saying it, but you understand what I'm trying to explain. Uh, it may not be terminal in that it doesn't become in the natural a death sentence for someone. They may have a uh, they may have a disease that they're just going to have and deal with as part of their life. They may be told by a medical professional. And uh, there are, of course, diseases that are terminal, that when someone is diagnosed with them in the natural, then it means that um, barring a miracle, um, then that their life would come to an end as a result of that disease. Um, there are infirmity 
in the scripture can be any of those things, sickness or disease. Uh, we know that they're different because the scripture says in one place that Jesus gave them power and he told them they had power over evil spirits and they could cast out unclean spirits and heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So the Lord Jesus Christ addressed two different things there. Um, we're going to pray again in a minute. I hope you're doing all right. Uh, we're going to dig in the Word some more here in a minute, but I just feel like we need to be right here for a second. The Lord just started dealing with me about this a little bit ago. Uh, and then we know that there are uh, spirits of infirmity. Now that becomes quite different. Um, I say this carefully because I don't, I don't want the analyticals in the room or online uh, to, to take ownership of something that you should not take ownership from or of. But all sickness, disease, and infirmity um, has its root in fallen man. All right? All sickness, all disease, all infirmity has its root in sin, in fallen man. Now, that doesn't mean that any time someone's sick, diseased, or has an infirmity that someone sinned. Okay? Um, the, the one man, the Scripture says in the Bible, he had an infirmity. He'd been, had it for 38 years. He uses the word infirmity, and Jesus came and healed him. And there was some debate going on among people. They said, okay, who sinned, this man, or was it his mom and dad, his parents? Did they sin? Because in the Old Testament, all sickness and disease was tied back to someone's sin. And so, of course, sin is the root of all sickness and disease, but all sickness and disease in an individual's life doesn't mean that individual sinned. Does that make sense? Okay. So you may deal with sickness or disease because of sin, but not necessarily a sin you committed. But all of it comes from some Adam's fall, right? That opened the door. And um, I'm not sure where we're going here. I'm just trying to follow the Holy Ghost. So just bear with me. But there is most, if not all, Sickness and disease has some spiritual root. Uh, I say most, if not all. Um, I haven't studied it enough in the scripture and prayed about it enough to speak in absolutes. That's why I say most, if not all. Um, but we do know, as I mentioned, of spirits of infirmity. These are things that would come and would attack a life. That they would manifest themselves in the natural. They would manifest themselves in the natural body as a sickness or a disease. But we know that it is spiritually motivated attack. It is a spiritual thing. And 
a perfect example we find, I believe, in the book of Job when the Lord stretched his hand out against Job because of Satan's desire to attack the man. And so Job's body became consumed with boils. It was a spiritual, I think we all understand what Job was going through was a very spiritual event. Now, God was allowing this as it would be in mine in your life. It can't happen unless God allows it. Or, I, I guess even then, God would have to allow it. Um, but we can be walking in the grace, the favor, and the will of God, and God allow these things because he has a plan always, and he knows what it will do in us as he knew what it would do in Job. Or we can be walking not in the will of God, and we make decisions of our own free will, and so, therefore, God allows these things to take place in our life. Now, um, when we pray for individuals, the power of the name of Jesus, the name has authority over all sickness over all disease, and over all infirmity, and over every spirit of infirmity. So all of those things are subject to the name of Jesus Christ. And there are times where we will pray for someone, and they're simply sick. And so we will pray the prayer of faith, and the Lord will heal the sick. And raise them up. Okay? There are times we may pray for someone that's diseased. And healing will begin to take place. We may not see it immediately. But through the power of prayer, the word of faith, the name of Jesus Christ. I believe that sickness or disease is attacked at the root, and healing begins to happen, and we don't see it on the surface immediately, but we pray in faith. And so we pray not based on what we see with the natural, but what we know in the spiritual and by the Word of God. All right? So then my faith does not stand in, well, I'm watching for a result, watching for a result. Now we should see results. But we pray in faith. Our faith is in the Word of God. Our faith is in our confidence that the word of God is true in the power of the name of Jesus. And then we pray for those that are afflicted. Um, affliction that comes from spiritual onslaught, whether a spirit of infirmity would try to attack an individual. And so it's why as children of God, when we pray, um, the Lord will give us spiritual discernment to recognize, okay, I'm praying the prayer of faith here. Lord, I pray your word with your stripes. We're healed. I pray by your word, by the authority of your word and your name. My confidence is in that. And so, therefore, you and I can speak healing, deliverance. Someone that is afflicted may need healing or they may need deliverance. Okay, And so the Lord guides us as his children in praying for people. Now, um, 
I, I just think that's important for us to know. And I don't, I don't necessarily have all that figured out. I just think we need to have the wisdom of the Lord. He's wanting to use us, and so we need spiritual discernment to recognize when we're praying for someone that's sick. And sometimes we may not know, and so we pray the word, and we pray in faith. Right? So that's why I say don't overthink it. We can still say, Lord, you have power and you have authority over this that this individual is dealing with. You have authority over this tumor. You have authority over COVID. You have authority over, right? You have authority over these things. And therefore, because you have authority, I pray in the authority of my Father. And by the authority of the name, Jesus, and I pray their life be, right? And so I believe in this hour that we live in, that there are those that are dealing with COVID, the virus, as a sickness. And I believe there are those that are dealing with it where it is a spirit of infirmity that is rising up and masquerading as the virus, but is spiritual attack. Okay? Um, this is being streamed, so it can be watched later, and I'll submit it. Under authority, I um, I want us to pray for Bishop tonight. Um, clearly, he's battling things in his physical body, um, but I I've been waiting on the Holy Ghost. I've been praying for him, as I know many of you have, for several days. And I'm not, I'm not telling you this in some doom and gloom, like I got some inside information, something really bad you don't know about, and so my goodness, we better. I've been waiting on the Holy Ghost about this. And uh, I would like us to pray against any spiritual attack that the adversary would like to bring um, against Bishop and or Sister Schoonover. All right? I'm not concerned about the physical and the natural. The Lord's already paid for that. He's also given us all power and authority in the spirit realm when we're under authority. And so I'd like us to stand together again tonight and... As we pray together, waiting on the Lord, let's be sure to do that. I'm not interested in filling the, filling the room with noise, because I know you're not either. I'm interested in letting the Holy Ghost lead us in prayer here tonight. Right? God has given us spiritual authority. And so I have all confidence that we can pray, and spirits of infirmity can be broken. And a life can be delivered. And that Bishop and Sister Schoonover can have a good night of rest. And awake in the morning refreshed and renewed in mind, body, soul, and spirit. Alright? Let's pray. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The most precious, powerful, lovely name. The name that is above every name. We stand together tonight. 
we agree together. By your word and by your spirit, you have said clearly and distinctly, no weapon formed against us would prosper. No weapon will prosper. No effort of the adversary can prosper against the man and the woman of God. So we stand tonight in agreement and we pray in agreement for Bishop and for Sister Schoonover. I take rightful authority given me by your word and as a man under authority, I take rightful authority over every spirit of infirmity. I command its grip to be broken, their body, soul, mind, and spirit to be loosed, and that your virtue, God, would be loosed to flow into them to bring healing, to bring strength, restoration of lungs, restoration in the respiratory system. To the glory of God alone, that all would see and know that you reign, that you reign. Jesus. Praise God. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Praise God. You can be seated again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um,
How many of you have siblings? Most of you have a brother or a sister. Um, I have a couple of sisters, as I think you guys knew. Um, my older sister, who's 18 months older than I, a younger sister who's seven and a half years younger than I. And uh, I didn't choose either one of them. Um, I, I told a group yesterday, they didn't choose me. They would have if they could have, but they didn't. Uh, <laughs> Brother Lewis really thought that was funny. No, um, I didn't choose them. They didn't choose me. And if you have siblings, you did not choose your brother. You did not choose your sister. Um, that was the result of an action of your parents and of the way God designed us. And so there you have a brother and you have a sister there. I, I'm thankful. I, I love my sisters very, very much. We are very close. We have, God has given us great relationships. And uh, I think they would say the same. And I thank God for that. Um, we weren't without our days of arguing. And... Um, my wife and my brother-in-law, my older sister's husband, um, there's times where the two of them don't much care to be around me and my older sister when we really get going um, because her and I can have some strong conversations. And uh, But we love each other, and that's never in question. Um, we can have strong conversations, and we're not going to walk away mad at each other. Um, we, we love each other, and it's, it's without question. I, I, don't, I can't think of anything that my sisters could do that would make me not love them. She was real loud, like click, click to Kansas. Um, and I would hope there's nothing I could do that would cause them not to love me. And so we understand that if we have siblings, and I thank God for that. If, if something were to come between my sister or sisters and I, uh, I believe that I would and they would hopefully try to do anything and everything we could to deal with that uh, so that our relationship would not be hindered. Uh, why? Because we value deeply the relationship we have. It's very precious to me. Uh, it's very precious to us. And so, so it is in the body of Christ. The scripture teaches us, you've heard it many times around here, that the Lord sets members in the body as it pleases Him. You didn't choose your brother and your sister. God did. God did. God chose your brothers and your sisters for you. Now, 
Obviously, I'm talking about spiritually in the body now. I'm not talking about naturally. He chose them for you. Now, that's far greater than the natural process of how you ended up with brothers and sisters. God divinely ordained your brother and your sister. It was his choosing. When he placed a member in the body, he placed your brother, he placed your sister. We have different congregations, of course. And the Lord knew his body would be made up of multiple congregations. And so in his infinite wisdom and knowledge, God chose your brother and sister in the local congregation that he knew you would need. It's very interesting. Um, Sunday morning, of course, we were here in service. A little later Sunday morning, uh, my sons and I were in the Union Gap congregation in service. Last night, uh, I was with the Puyallup and Kent congregations in service in Puyallup. And I marvel at how diverse the congregations are. Very different. Each congregation, very unique, very different. Uh, Made up of different parts, different individuals. But I also recognize the value of each congregation. I don't know that I recognize it fully. I pray that I will by God's grace and his opening of my eyes and understanding more and more. But I do recognize that each congregation brings tremendous value to the whole of Life Church. Now, of course, I know Life Church as a whole is not a is not the body of Christ. There's also other congregations across our state, our nation, our world that make up the body. But we, we can at least think in terms of the local congregation and the life church congregations. Those are things we can start to wrap our head around. As the Holy Ghost, I believe, is wanting to open our eyes and our understanding to greater see and identify with his body. And so, you did not choose your brother, you did not choose your sister, nor did I in the Spirit. But God did. Now, my older sister especially, just because of our closeness in age, if you were to talk to her and you were to say, hey, can you tell me sort of like your brother's faults? Could you, you tell me like sort of his, his pains, his problems, his faults, the things that he has issues with, challenges with? She could tell you. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb and, she would, and guess she would probably say, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you. She's my sister. She loves me. She knows my faults. Now, she'll tell me my faults. I won't think twice about it. <laughs> but she's not going to tell somebody else. She's my sister. Why isn't she telling somebody else? Because she's looking out for me. She's looking out for me. 
is she in denial that I have fault? Oh, no. Not at all. But she's looking out for me. And so it's one of the beautiful things in that though she knows them, she loves me still. And because of love, she doesn't seek to expose them and use them against me. She seeks to cover. The scripture says that love covers a multitude of sin. That doesn't mean that love hides and makes up for it and is in denial about it. But love doesn't try to expose people's sins. Love tries to, it will address it. Love will seek to draw them to the Lord so he can truly, with his love, cover it. And so, we are the body of Christ. I have a question for you. How do you think about your brother and your sister? How do you speak about your brother and your sister? How do you think about their faults? How do you think about the things they do that just make you mad and drive you crazy? I mean, I'm sure nobody in here. How do you speak to others about them? Talking about the body of Jesus Christ. Is this not an amazing thing? That God can take imperfect people like you and I. Flawed individuals like you and I. And that he can put us all together. And fill us with his spirit. And all of us in our imperfection. Can be made the perfect body of Jesus Christ. Is that not a miraculous thing to you? That he can take. Flawed. Marred. Broken. Vessels who we know because we know ourselves have faults and will never be perfect in this life. And he can take us and place us together. And he'll call us his body. And he sees us without fault. The scripture says when the Lord returns that he's coming back for a church. You've heard this? He's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle, without any blemish. I don't know about you, but individually, I don't fit that description. And so this idea, I, I believe this when I was younger. I, I just didn't understand. I, God's helping me just to understand. When I was younger, I would think, man, man, I, I better get it all right. If I've got a spot, a blemish, a wrinkle, I'm not telling you, well, you know what, I just, I just sin every day, but in the body I'm made okay. No, I have a responsibility to my relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about. But I had this idea that, man, I better not have a spot, blemish, wrinkle. Oh, man, I better... You know, the Lord said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't even 
Well, they were pretty righteous. They covered every letter of the law. But the Lord was trying to help them understand there's no way your righteousness can exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. The only way that's possible is that if you give me your sin and you take my righteousness. And so when he's coming back for this church without spot or blemish or wrinkle or any such thing, it's not because you and I have become these perfect individuals. It's because we have come together as he's placed us as a body in the unity of his spirit. And there's no schism in the body. There's no division in the body. I'm no longer identifying with the faults of my brother and the faults of my sister. But God, by his love, God who is love, is operating in and through my life. The love of God is flowing through me and you as a part of his body. And that love is manifesting itself to my brother and my sister. Excuse me. And so I see my brother and sister not through my natural eye. But I see through the lens of the Spirit of God. And so when I see you, I'm not looking for your faults. Now with my brother, one-on-one, we may address those things. But that's love. And when my brother or my sister knows, and they know that I love them or they know you love them, they'll receive that. Hopefully. This is God's plan. He's coming back. He didn't say he's coming back for a person that's without spot wrinkle. He's coming back for a church, a bride. One place said he's coming back for a bride that has made herself ready. I'm going to tell you why I believe God keeps dealing with us about the body and our relationships in the body. I believe the spirit of God is saying, I'm about ready to come back for my bride. You need to be making yourself ready. And if I'm not careful, I make myself ready by looking inwardly alone. Self, 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 my, my, my. What am I doing? Have I got it in order? Have I, have, have I done everything I need to do to be ready? And I stop looking the way I should. I should be looking at the bride not just myself, where I should really be examining and making myself ready is where am I in relationship to every other part of the body? How am I in relationship to my brother? How am I in relationship to my sister? Where am I at in relationship to those God has placed in my life in the body of Christ? Have I made my... He's coming back for a bride that's made herself ready. Ephesians chapter 1. I didn't plan on all that. but Here we are. I have no idea what time it is. I really don't care. But I care about you all. So I'm going to seek to hurry along. Ephesians chapter 1. If it gives you any consolation. I'll only read two sentences here in this chapter. Mind you they're long sentences. But I'll only read two of them. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. He's blessed us. What has he blessed us with? All spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. He's already done this. This is past tense. Isn't it? He has blessed us with all spirit, not some, all spiritual blessings. Where has he done that? Aha, in heavenly places. This is why you should pray thy will be done in earth as it already is in heaven. He's blessed you and I with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And so I got to pray the will of God from heaven into this earthen vessel. Let's finish the sentence. Verse 4. According, and he does it with, God's very deliberate. How has he blessed us? According as he hath chosen us in him. When did he choose us in him? Before the foundation of the world. Before he made the world, he chose you and I in him. He knew he was going to put you and me in the body before he said, let there be light. This is how much you and I are in the plan of God. This is how much thought he has put into his bride. This is how important the body of Christ is to him. That before he framed the world, he chose you and he chose me in him, in his body. I can't even understand that in my human mind. That thousands of years ago, when God decided... To create the world at the beginning of time. Already. In that moment he thought of you. Before he ever moved upon the face of the deep. In Genesis 1 and 1 and 2. Before he ever moved. On the face of the deep. You were already in his plan. He already knew you. He had already chosen you in him. This is how precious the body is to him. We used to sing a song when I was younger. When he was on the cross that day, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory made the heavens shine. When he was on the cross that day, I was on his mind. The reality is that's true. But the reality is I was on the mind of God and you were on the mind of God long before that. You and I are part of the plan of God. So he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Why did he do that? That we should be holy 
and without blame. Whoa, sounds like the bride. Holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, this is still the same first sentence. We're still reading sentence number 1 in case you're keeping up. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. He predestined it. He had destiny for you. What was the destiny? He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to create them. And then I'm going to come along and I'm going to adopt them. I'm going to make them mine. I'm going to put my name on them. That was predetermined by him. We just have to accept it or not. Some people say, well, if it's predestined, then why does it matter what I do? Well, it was predestined, but that doesn't mean it's done. It depends on my response to that which he desires to do. It's God's plan that you would be adopted and I would be adopted as a son of God. That's his plan. He determined that already. He predetermined that. But I have to be a willing participant to allow him to do that. So predestination doesn't mean, well, it's already determined. So whatever I do doesn't matter. No, no, no. Predestination means God made the decision. All you have to do is step into his plan. But if you refuse his plan, then it doesn't matter what he planned because he's going to let you have your free will. All right? Now, verse 6. Let's finish the sentence. To the praise, he did all of this, all these things, choosing us before the world, predestined, adopting you and I. All of this plan of God, blessing us with all spiritual blessings. All of this, he did all of this for verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace. That's why he did it. For the praise of his glory and his grace. Oh, and there's more. Wherein he hath made us accepted. In the beloved. Do you see what the word of God just said in that one sentence? I don't know that's a lot in one sentence. Do you see what he just said? He chose us. You're chosen by God. He adopted us. Adopted by God. He accepted us. He made us accepted. These very things fly in the face of the adversary's lies that people buy into. Nobody wants me. I'm rejected. Nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. Everything from before time began, God did to show you. I chose you. I adopted you. I accepted you in the beloved. This is his plan. So if you entertain the thought that, well, God doesn't know about me, God doesn't care about me, I'd, that's a lie from the pit of hell. This was so important to him, it was his priority before he created the world. And then he created the world to do this. Let's read the next sentence. Verse 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood... The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Not according to what we earn or what we do, but according to the riches of his grace. Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, 
according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. He's doing the things that please him. He's doing the things that are his purpose. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times. I want to pause right there. That's an important statement in the second sentence. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times. What does that mean? That means that there will be a fullness of time, a completion of time. Time will come to an end. As sure as time had a beginning in Genesis chapter 1. You understand, Genesis 1 wasn't the beginning of God. Genesis 1 was the beginning of time. God is from everlasting to everlasting. But Genesis 1 was the beginning of time. And as sure as there is a beginning of time, there will be an end of time. Otherwise, it's not time at all. It's eternity. But there will be an end of time. And so the writer is saying, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, when all that was supposed to be completed in time has been completed, the fullness. When the fullness of time has arrived, when all that was supposed to be completed, what's going to happen? He might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, continuing the same sentence, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, his purpose, predetermined, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Why does he do all of this? Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Hey, that sounds familiar. Oh, that's what we just read in verse 6. He did all of that to the praise of his glory. He does all of this that we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ. That's your two sentences. That's why you can't just take one verse and make it say something if you don't read the whole sentence. It's taking it out of context. Now. Someone needs to hear. Whether here, whether online. Need to hear. Everybody really needs to hear. God chose you. He accepted you, made you. He made you accepted by his own blood. He made you accepted in the beloved. When you went down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, you were taking on his name. His name was applied to your life. That is him making you accepted in the beloved. When he said, by his own blood, he did this. He made you accepted in the beloved. Chosen, accepted, adopted. In our world, adoption has a negative connotation. This is how humans think, right? Because adoption means someone didn't want me. Isn't that how we think? How come people that are adopted don't go, someone wanted me? 
you got the parents you were born to. You were just stuck with them. Whether they wanted you or not, they kept you. My parents handpicked me. I didn't adopt a person who could say that. Now think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ determined from before time that it would be his plan to adopt you and give you his name. And so when we're baptized in the waters of baptism, we take on his name. I remember a man one time. I think it was Brother R.E. Johnson years ago. He said, when I was born, I was R.E. Johnson. When I got baptized, I became R.E. Johnson Jesus. He said, I took on a name. I took on a name. When we're adopted, we take on a name. You don't take on the name. You don't get the inheritance. The sons get the inheritance. Talking to you about the body of Christ. And so when I have been baptized in the name, I take on the name. When my brother or sister that he chooses to add to the body is baptized, they take on the name. They now become my family in Christ. And so how do I love them? I don't naturally. If I do it naturally, I can only do that so far. I need the love of God to work in my life so that the love of God can manifest itself. Now, Brother Martin always sits here on the hot seat up front. Right? And so here, come here. Let me pick on you. I know he's not wearing a mask. Here, I'll push him away. I got long arms. We both got long arms. Uh, probably breaking all the rules right here. Um, I remember the first time I met him. And I, I remember the things that I dealt with in prayer at that time. And I prayed with hope. But based on what I was seeing and hearing and feeling, I didn't have much faith. But then when I met him the second time, a few years later, and I was praying with hope, I had great faith. And the Lord gave me a love for him. That wasn't born out of, well, I've known him a long, long time, and I know a lot about him, and he knows a lot about me, and so we really understand each other now, and he's done this for me, and I've done this for him, and we've really done all this stuff and really taken care of each other, and we go way, way back, and we got all this history, and so, man, we really love each other as a result of that. That's natural human affection. No, what happened? We've known each other now for... Hold on, don't tell me, don't tell me. We've known each other now for, well, the first time I met him was uh, probably about nine years ago. We've probably known each other for a little over four. Is that about right? All right. We have, I have people I've known my whole life that I don't have a love for them like I do for Brother Martin. What is that? It's the love of God that he gives us for a brother and a sister. Now, I could have chosen any. I could have got Brother Lewis and Sister Julie and stood them up here and said the same things. I could have got Brother Azario and Sister Priscilla. I could have got, you understand. 
I could have grabbed Brother Carlos right there. Why? Why? Not because I know him and he. God has done something in my life. He's done something. This is the love of God for a brother and sister in the body of Christ. So I understand he's chosen me. If I believe that, and I do, you believe that he's chosen, I must also believe he chose them. And what happens in human nature is I think, well, I'm better than they are. Oh, no, you're not. You and I were both just as lost. You and I both were destined for hell had it not been for the blood of the Lamb. You understand? And so when he places you and I in the body of Christ, he gives me a love for you, and I trust and believe he gives you a love for me. Now, stand with me. I need this love operating in my life every day. It is not coincidental that the scripture says, hereby shall all the world. That's a pretty big deal. Hereby shall all the world know that you are my disciples by the love you have for the world. That's not what it says. They're going to know you're my disciples by the love you have one for an, one toward another. Not for, toward. That means it's manifested love. It's love on display. Why do you think the adversary would like you to speak ill of your brother? Why do you think the adversary would like you to speak ill of your sister? Why would you peruse and turn those thoughts of negativity about your brother or sister over in your mind again and again and again. I promise you that's not God. And sometimes you justify, we justify ourselves. I'll say it that way. We can justify ourselves. Well, you know, I just really care about them and I just, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. Love reaches. And so I want this operative in my life and in my spirit, my love for my brother, my love for my sister. I can't produce it. You can't produce it. It comes from God. And so when you and I are baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost, this is one of the initial things that begins to take place in our life. Okay? Give you the verse for it. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. This is one of the primary purposes of the infilling of the Holy Ghost, so that the love of God can be shed abroad in my heart. And that love begins to manifest itself. And so what I need God to help me do, and I'm finishing here, thank you for your patience and open ear tonight. I have to recognize, and I'm praying this more and more. I want to see. I want to see clearly. I want help me to see God. The scripture says in Corinthians, where the apostle Paul talked about 
the blood of Christ and the body of Christ when they were taking communion. There were those in the body that had more than others. Um, some were more affluent than others. They had different lifestyles than others. Uh, that happens. God didn't make us all cookie-cutter people. Right? He gave one five talents, one two talents, one one talent. He wasn't being unfair. He was giving each what they could handle. And as they proved themselves with what they could handle, he would give them more talents. This was a scriptural principle. And so um, I always tell people, God's not a socialist. God's fair. He knows what he gives, what people can. This is a principle of his word. Okay. Now, I don't believe he's a capitalist either. So just in case you think that. All right. Um, now, <laughs> I digress. Um, but he, he does this. And so he gives these talents and he. Well, in Corinthians, where Paul is addressing the, the body, and he was telling them, you know, take the bread and break. This is my body. When he t- said, take the blood and, or the fruit of the cup and drink it, this is my blood poured out for you. He said, you do this. You come together and you do this. He was telling them in 1 Corinthians. And he said, but there's a problem. Because you've got these class systems realistically or even in your own thought process, you've got these class systems about who's where and what in the body. And that's not how it should be in the body of Christ. There is no tier system in the body of Christ. There is no ones more important than the other in the body of Christ. We have different roles. We have different functions. We have different places of spiritual. God's given us spiritually and different places in authority. That's a God-ordained thing. But one's no more important more than the other. No one has more value to the body than the other. Each brings their own value based on their place in the body and their function in the body. All right? So Paul was addressing this issue. And he said, because they weren't doing this, he said, for this cause, many are sick and weak, and some are even dead among you. Woo! Sick, okay, weak, yeah, dead. Paul wrote a letter to dead people? Paul was writing a letter saying, some of you already are spiritually dead. Because of this issue. He was talking spiritually. Naturally sick and weak. Spiritually sick, weak, and dead. And what was the issue? He said, because you do not rightfully discern the Lord's body. He wasn't talking about the man, Christ Jesus, that had died, resurrected, and ascended. He was talking about the body of Christ in the earth at that day. He said, you don't rightly discern the body. You don't have a recognition, an appreciation for, a care for, an understanding. You don't discern your place and your brother and sister's place in the body. And because you don't rightly discern it, you're weak spiritually. You're sick spiritually. Some of you have already died spiritually. This is how important it is that we let the love of God work through us when we know the body of Christ. 
I want to love for the body. I want to pray for the body. Amen. When I pray, I obviously that I pray a lot for you all. Not necessarily because you need it, but some of you really do need it. But no, we all do, right? <laughs> Just make sure you're still listening. We all need it. I need it. So we pray for one another. But I pray for this congregation, and I know you do too. But I also pray for the Union Gap congregation. I pray for the Puyallup congregation. I pray for the Kent congregation. We needed the Lord to anoint our eyes. Would you begin to pray with me right now? We need the Holy Ghost to anoint our minds and anoint our eyes. The Holy Ghost ministered to us uh, just last Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, about anointing. We need the anointing of God upon our mind and upon our eyes so that we rightly discern the body of Christ. This is important in this hour because in the fullness of the dispensation of time, he's going to come back for a body. He's going to gather all to himself. And if I'm not rightly discerning the body, it would be that I may not even be connected to the body. You understand if you're not connected, that means you're dead. Parts that are disconnected from the body die. We need to rightly discern the body. I want to bear up my brother. I want to bear up my sister. I want to prefer my brother. I want to prefer my sister. I want the love of God to be made manifest through my life. Jesus, I pray, help us to rightly discern your body. Here in the local congregation, in the congregations of Life Church, from Puyallup and Kent to Union Gap, let us rightly discern your body. Let there be your spirit of unity. Let me promote and endeavor to keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace. That your will would be accomplished. That you would work through your body according to your plan. In the name of Jesus. God, if there's any ought against a brother. If there's any ought against a sister. I pray healing, forgiveness, cleansing and renewal. In Jesus' name that we would rightly discern your body. Jesus in your name. Jesus, in your name, let us strengthen one another as your word implores the strengthening that comes by the compacting of the body that comes from every joint supplying. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for every member in particular. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As if you don't have enough reasons, here's one more reason why this is so, so important. Because of where we are in time and the fact that God is getting ready to catch his church away. We have from the word of God that he's going to bring sheep that are not yet in the fold. You and I have brothers and sisters we haven't met yet. And when we meet them, they're going to be new to the family. 
And, you know, when a baby's born, we don't expect the baby to be potty trained right out of the womb. They make messes. They have to be fed. You give them food and let them feed themselves, they make messes. And that's okay. They got to learn. Where do they learn? They learn from mom and dad. They learn from brothers and sisters that are older. Can you imagine if you had a newborn baby and that baby messed themselves and and the older brother said, What are you doing? The toilet's right around the corner. Baby's screaming. Ah! We, expect, we expect newborn babies to mess themselves. And love says, I'm not going to leave them in that state. I'm going to care for them. Love does that. Love does that. telling you God is going to bring brothers and sisters you haven't met love's got to work through us it's going to be work it's going to be work my wife keeps two little babies that they were just one when we got them not quite now they're hitting two one's got a birthday tomorrow or Saturday it's two they're work I like to go in and get them all riled up fired up and leave They are work, man. You can clean something up. It'll be a mess. And another 10 minutes later, they have stuff everywhere. It's work. Babies are work. But Martin knows he's got grandkids. They're work. You don't look at them and go, man, they're too much trouble. Can we just give them back? Well, sometimes if they're grandkids, maybe you do. Okay, I did all I could do. Back to mom and dad. You understand, people of God, it's work. And so if we've been in the body, we're all at different places, right? We've all, this is growing and maturing. Some are spiritual babies. Some are spiritual, some are spiritual primary age kids. Some are spiritual teenagers. Help us, God. You understand what we see in the natural also happens in the spiritual. You know what a spiritual teenager is, don't you? Spiritual teenager, somebody's been around long enough, they think they got it all figured out. And they really start struggling to receive instruction and direction. And they go through this fight and this battle with authority. It's stages in our spiritual walk. We all have a responsibility to care. Now, I'm really trying to finish. I just feel so much importance in these things right now. There is a father. One father. There's one God and one father of all who's above all, who's through all, and he's in you all. Right? There's a mother. There's only one mother. Mother's the church. Okay. Guess what? The father usually isn't the one that's designed to care for the babies. 
the mother is. Now, don't get me wrong. I won't call any names, but I've changed a few diapers of people in this room. I'm just saying. Don't look at my wife. I've changed diapers in this room. All right? But as a general rule, I did it out of love. But that wasn't my calling. All right? I got up sometimes in the middle of the night. The more kids that came, the less I did that. Right? It was... It wasn't my call. Why? Because the mother nurtures. The mother cares for. The mother does. The church. The mother. I'm not. That's not a male and female thing in the church. It's the. It's the church. The body of Christ. All right. This is important. The father corrects and instructs. The father provides covering and provision. This is what the father does. The mother nurtures, corrects, leads, and then the father comes and gives instruction, direction, correction, provision. And then the mother changes the diaper, feeds the baby, washes them, bathes. It's going to be okay. Okay, you can take a step and walk, right? And they learn. I'm talking to you about ministry. Ministry. Get ready. Get ready. It's time. Lord, I thank you for the precious people of God in the body of Christ, for everyone that's here tonight, for those who have been able to join us. Lead us and guide us by your spirit according to your will. As you gather men to yourself, not to other men, but to yourself, and as you bring brothers and sisters that we have not yet met, I pray the wisdom and the counsel of God In the name of Jesus, bless this people tonight, those in their home and those here in this room. I pray bless them with strength, with health. As they rest this evening, I pray let their rest be pure. Let it be given of you. Let them be refreshed in their body, in their mind, and in their spirit as they lay down and sleep tonight. And wake them renewed, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here and being open this evening. Thank you for being the body of Christ.